Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bikini Podcast. This is episode number 52. And today I'm going to be talking about everything related to bikini, of course. But listener questions, there's a lot that have been submitted through Instagram. It's been a short minute since I've been recording podcasts. I'm going to get in the habit of doing it. I'm going to get some more guests on the show and keep bikini relevant in Australia. Make it cool. But first and foremost, let's just get to the questions. Let's see what we've got here. All right, so the first question I have is, please talk about powerlifts for bikini bodybuilders, lol. So what is my opinion on, I'm assuming, squatting and deadlifting? A lot of you ladies do know what my opinion is, but for the first time listeners or for ladies that haven't heard me speak on this before, deadlifts are a waste of time for a bikini competitor. You know, barbell squats, you know, aren't necessarily on my to-do list either, but let's just focus on deadlifts for now. What is the purpose of a deadlift? You know, are you hitting your glutes? Are you hitting your hamstrings? Are you hitting your lower back? Are you hitting your traps? There's a bit of everything. Your posterior chain's been activated. So when it comes to programming, you know, if you want to be the best bikini competitor you can be, you need to select exercises that are going to benefit your physique. Do you need to develop your lower back? The answer is no. Do you need to develop your glute hamstrings? Yes, to a certain level. Hamstrings probably not so dense. You know, do you need to develop your traps to some extent? Yes. But what exactly do you need to do as a bikini competitor? You need to develop a silhouette. You want to develop a physique that flows just like an Olympian, an IFB Olympian bikini competitor. We're going to talk about IFB specifically for now. We're not going to talk about WBFF because WBFF is a little bit different. The criteria is most certainly different and the physiques that are rewarded on the WBFF stage are completely different to IFB, but we're talking IFB specifically. Deadlifts, thickened your lower back. Okay. Do we want that in, in a bikini competitor in the IFB? No. Do any of the top 10 Olympians, you know, deadlift, conventional, do they want to you know, stimulate their lower back? The answer is no. Success leaves clues. It, it, I mean, we should just leave it like that. There are coaches in Australia that will go against what the top 10 Olympians are doing. I mean, that, I mean, that just makes no fucking common sense. Like, where, where is the common sense in that? I'm all about innovation. I'm all about doing things that a lot of other people aren't interested in doing. But when the proof is in the pudding, I have obviously some concerns that people continue to ignore. Coaches continue to ignore what the elite, what the best of the best are doing and what the coaches are prescribing. So, I mean, success leaves clues, guys. And sometimes we want to push the barrier. Sometimes we want to try different things, but just use common sense. When you deadlift, right? Let's just say, for example, you're going to do 10 sets of 10 on a deadlift. Will your lower back be sore tomorrow if you're doing it fresh? Probably more often than not, the answer is yes. You're stimulating your lower back. You're stimulating a lot of things, your posterior chain. Do we need to grow our lower back? Do we need to thicken up our lower back as a bikini competitor? The answer is no. So there's a certain level of density that's required and a certain level of density that isn't required in different body parts. A bikini competitor does not need to have a thick lower back like a powerlifter. A bikini competitor does not need to have a thick midsection like a powerlifter, like a strong woman, like a CrossFit athlete. It just doesn't need to happen. Sport-specific performance, if you need a deadlift, deadlift your little heart out. But if you're in the sport of bikini... Listen to what, and copy what the top 10 Olympians are doing. None of them deadlift. You know, putting stress on the lower back and stimulating your lower back isn't necessary and it isn't required in the sport of bikini. What is really interesting and unfortunate in Australia is a lot of coaches will go against what I say, not because it's wrong, but because it's the fact that I'm saying it. If, if I didn't say it and someone else said it, it'd probably be okay. But because I'm saying don't deadlift, it's a problem. To be respectful as possible to everyone that's listening to the podcast, Use some common sense. Look at the competitors that I have just on my team alone and compare them to any other coach in Australia and think about what I'm doing versus what they're doing. And if you don't know what I'm doing, ask me some fucking questions. I'll tell you how it is. One answer is no squats, no deadlifts. Squatting and deadlifting is one of many things that I really don't like to do. And as a coach, I have my non-negotiables. There are certain principles, protocols, and, and theories that I believe in that work really well for you know the results that I achieve. And there are coaches out there that disagree with what I'm doing, yet haven't produced the results. So look, I'm putting this information out there so you can be a better bikini competitor, that you can be a better coach. You can use this information to your advantage or you can choose to completely ignore it. It's up to you. So the next question is women on anabolic steroids are all the best female bodies in the world on them. So I would need to say, what is the definition of best female bodies? What category are we talking about? What federation are we talking about? It's actually quite interesting and difficult for me to answer this because what I say is very matter of fact. I have absolute certainty in everything that I say. And if I don't, I'll, I'll say that I don't. I do think that a lot of ladies are on anabolics to some level. And I would also include clenbuterol as 
you know, a performance enhancement drug. So any, let's, let's call it, instead of saying steroids, let's say performance enhancement drugs. A lot of ladies would be using that at a high level. There are ladies that don't, and there are ladies that do a little bit. There are ladies that do a lot. But I also think it's important for, you know, a, a lot of ladies that are listening to understand that not everyone is using shit, right? There are a lot of top level amateurs in this country, for example, that do not use anything. There are also a lot of shitty amateurs who use a boatload of stuff and they haven't gotten anywhere. So drugs, performance enhancement, drugs do not make you a champion. It's your mindset, it's your dedication, it's your discipline, it's your work ethic. For me to say that PEDs don't have a significant advantage over someone that's natural, I mean, that would be just a blatant out lie. But I would say that this question really needs to be very specific and it needs to be answered based on category, based on federation, and it's a case-by-case basis. There are also a lot of fake natties out, out there. And I don't really give a fuck about fake naturals. I don't know what you guys think, but for me, I don't even look at someone as natural or not any, anymore. I just look at them as, do they have a nice physique? What body parts do they need to bring up? Do they have what it takes to be a champion? I don't look at someone's physique and think drugs first. I think potential first. So the next question is, who is the best ranger ever? And the best ranger of all time is Ali Deegan. Ali Deegan, you are the best ranger of all time. For anyone that doesn't know, Ali is one of my longtime clients and Ali is a legend. A lot of potential. We'll be competing in the near future, not this year, hopefully next year. And uh, we'll have to be my most favorite ranger of all time. So the next question that I have is, what does a winner's attitude entail? I think that more, probably the number one thing is, is that first thing that comes to mind is someone that's willing to do whatever it takes. Someone that has a positive, all-in, obsessive, positive attitude. Someone that isn't pessimistic. You can't be hating on other people. I think that having a losing mentality, you're focusing on other people. You're worried about the next competitor. You're talking shit about someone that's on another team or someone that's on your team. That's a losing mentality. A winning mentality is the exact opposite. Winners focus on winning. Losers focus on winners. That's something that I've seen happen all the time. And when, I mean, look, from a competitive point of view, you want to study your competition. You, you can't just ignore that, but you need to be focused on you. If you bring in your best every day, if you're focusing on being all that you can be every day, that's a mantra that I live by that I stole, being all that you can be every day, and you're focusing on, on being better, then you're halfway there. Commitment to yourself needs to be there. You have to have the confidence. You have to have the belief. You have to have that all in I can do attitude. You can't be pessimistic. You have to want to do the work. You've got to love to do the hard work. Even though if you think the hard work is shit, you've got to do it. You just got to say, listen, I'm going to do this training program no matter what. I'm going to do this cardio no matter what. I'm going to pose no matter what. I want to be the best. It's having a very optimistic, positive attitude. A winning attitude is literally a winning attitude. Someone that isn't full of shit, someone that makes it happen, someone that doesn't have excuses. There are no excuses with winning. So the next question is the best amateurs in the country. Well, look, I would be lying if I said that I don't have the best amateurs in the country because I do, but I also respect other competitors out there that maybe not a lot of you ladies know about. So let's not talk about competitors on my team because obviously I'm going to believe in them, but there are some other competitors that are coming up that are quite good. But I do think that season B and season A um, that are coming up. So season B this year, season A next year is a pretty much lock. Um, one of the girls on the team is going to get pro card on both both seasons. And then probably season B next year will be the same thing. There's a lot of really strong competitors that are on the team. And I believe in these girls. I won't be getting to specifics about who I think is going to win season B this year, season A next year, or even season B next year. There are so many competitors that are on the team that are quite strong that I really do believe in. And it's going to come down to how everyone turns out. I think I'll have a better idea regardless of you know what the placing is going to be when everyone's probably two, three to four weeks out because I'm going to be able to see who has what it takes and who's performing at a high level. And as I say that, it says, who do you see winning season A next year? I mean, wow. Look, the the competitors, Some the, look, the, there's going to be a competitor. There's going to be, no, there's going to be multiple competitors that are worthy of, of winning a pro card in season B this year. If any of those competitors do season A, you'd have to automatically assume that they would be in the best possible position to win season A. But then I have ladies that are competing in season A that have taken off season B. So for example, Rochelle Skelton comes to mind. Shell Skelton is a freak. If anyone remembers 
when Shell competed, um, probably a little bit undersized compared to what she is now, has a lot more size, has the amazing structure, has the posing. I mean, when Shell competes, it's going to be very, very hard to beat her. But there are also a lot of competitors, like I mentioned, in season B that are probably going to roll over and do season A next year. So there's just too many competitors to to talk about and really have to see what happens at season B before I can, you know, really commit to the idea of, of locking in someone for season A. But if I had to lock in someone now, I'm going to say Shell because she's had she's taken this uh, season B option. She's building her physique to prepare for season A next year. So next question here is, doing the first show at the end of 2022, is it best to diet down as small as possible then try bulk when try to stay as lean as possible it, it 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 really depends on your body fat and the amount of muscle you can put on most ladies i would say would build more muscle with a higher body fat level but that doesn't mean that you can't stay lean and make consistent progress i would be on the side of being as lean as you can making consistent progress if you're disciplined it does give you a strong advantage at the end of the day you want to be an athlete and if you want to go far in this sport look like one year round you know be willing to put the work in be disciplined if you're that type of person, you have that dedication, that mindset, and you're, you've got that all-in personality, you're probably going to be very, very hard to beat when you choose to step on stage. All right, so the next question we have here is, do you think enjoying the process is more important slash the most important thing? I don't think that enjoying the process is is really even relevant and is needed. If you're enjoying the process, you're probably not working hard enough. I think focusing on and appreciating the end result that's something different. But the actual process in itself, it's a grind. It's a bitch. So logically speaking, who would actually like a dieting phase, going into a calorie deficit, feeling hungry? Not many people would. You know, not many people would do that voluntarily. You're doing it for a contest. This isn't something that you decided to do for life. You're doing this for a restricted period of time, whether it's 12, 16, 20 plus weeks, whatever it is, this is your choice. And this is something that you don't want to do. If it was up to you, you'd be eating you know, all the spaghetti in the world, all the ice cream in the world, whatever the hell you want to eat. You know, you wouldn't be doing this to yourself. It's the same thing for training. It's the same thing for cardio. If you had a choice to do cardio, to not do cardio every second day, every day, sometimes for ladies, twice a day, you know, when it goes to that extreme point, there are people that go to the extreme. There are also ladies that don't do any cardio. They can get in shape for contest. But the point is, is that if you had a choice to, to do the work or not to do the work, but you could have the end result, of course, you're going to be like, I ain't going to do this work. This is for a contest. Now, it's also something that I was discussing with someone the other day about you know, programming. I would probably say that I have the most disgusting programming in the country in terms of the, the training volume, the intensity. You know, it's very specific to the point. If you enjoy my training programming, there's probably, again, something wrong with you or you're just addicted to the end result. So for me, when I look at, for example, program design, my goal as a coach is to design a program that's based around your weaknesses, your weak body parts to really complete the bikini criteria and complete your physique. And that's why you'll see a lot of ladies on my team or ladies that have come from previous teams will come on board and they'll really change the physique and take it to the next level. But with that eye that I have and attention to detail, the programs that I design are nasty. And if you're enjoying my programs and a lot of you know the ladies that are listening that are on the team, they'll know that it's not fun. It's a grind, it's a bitch. It's not supposed to be easy. What do you think wanting to be and being the best feels like? Do you think you can just do anything in the gym and squat and deadlift your little heart out and enjoy some really shitty programming? I could write the most gayest, most enjoyable programs you've ever seen in your life that you could take to school and use for show and tell, but no one gives a fuck about that. People come to me because they want the end result. They want to level up. And part of programming is doing the nasty shit the boring shit that nobody else wants to do to take you to the next level. And for the ladies that want to enjoy their programming, go squat, go deadlift, go do some low volume shit with another coach and see what happens. Let's let's compare results. So I want to give you guys an example. I've had ladies come from other teams, different coaches that I've looked at their programming on. Okay, what is the purpose behind these exercises? And not every coach is going to agree with other coaches programming. That's obviously for sure. That's for certain. But I look at it and go, hold on a second. Why aren't we programming this? Because this is actually a weak body part. I'll put them on my type of programming. They'll get the killer results and then they'll complain about the programming later. It's like, guys, do you not see that your last program was shit? It was absolute horse shit. It's like, you've got shit shoulders. You've got shit out of glutes. You get a shit back. None of this was addressed in your programming previously from your previous coach. 
You'll come to the team, I'll program some nasty volume and some exercises that I really like. You'll do a really controlled tempo. Everything in the gym is gonna be slow and controlled. There's no momentum and you're going to build your weaknesses up for the first time in your life. But then what you'll do is you'll complain about the program later. It's like, it's like use common sense. Would you rather complain about a tough, boring program and get the end result? Or do you wanna do something fun in the gym and look like every other bikini competitor? And then of course, nobody knows your fucking name in the industry. Use common sense. Hard work is not supposed to be easy. That's what a lot of ladies don't understand. Hard work is not supposed to be easy. And when you do the easy shit, you're gonna look the same as everyone else. You need to step your game up. You need to actually put in effort, change your attitude, and get the fuck after it. Because if you don't get after it, you're just gonna be like every other bum and nobody's gonna know your name. Ladies, it's this simple. If you're disciplined, you'll do whatever it takes to win. You'll make it happen. You'll, you'll learn to appreciate the hard work. You'll do, you do the hard stuff. If you want to do programming that's enjoyable and you wanna go back to squats and deadlifts, then go back to squats and deadlifts. Bikini ain't for you. You're not mentally tough enough for it. It takes a, a special type of mental toughness to not do the most enjoyable lifts in the gym. I remember back in the day when I was, uh, when I first started training, I fucking loved, well, specifically deadlifts. I, I kind of love, love squatting as well, but I really enjoyed my squatting and deadlifting. It was, you know, two, like my whole leg session, sometimes my whole week was based around deadlifting. And then if it wasn't deadlifting, if I was focusing on squats, my whole week was planned around my squat workout because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't killing myself the day before so I could squat or deadlift heavy. Right, because if I had a, if I smashed my chest or my shoulders had a big workout the night before, I knew it was going to affect my deadlift session because I would have been a little bit sore. Energy wasn't there. I, I get, I get it, but this isn't about enjoying your training. This is about producing the best result possible. And for the ladies that are really all in committed, you'll do whatever it takes to win. And doing whatever it takes to win might be not using certain exercises in your programming to benefit you. Like obviously going back to the deadlift thing. Why would you deadlift? To thicken your lower back? Okay, cool. It's a fun exercise because you're not motivated. Well, you're probably not built for the sport. You're a snowflake fuck. Like that's just as simple as it gets. If your goal is to be a bikini pro, if you want to be you know, the top 10 Olympia, if you just want to be an Olympian, like I said, success leaves clues. Olympians don't squat and deadlift. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. Australians can't all of a sudden just reinvent the wheel and say, we're going to have Olympians that are going to be squatting and deadlifting at the Olympia and they're going to be in the top five. It's not going to work that way. The blueprint doesn't look like that. And for whatever reason, you know, from, from coaches to athletes, I will get resistance. And I do get resistance from, from, from people on Instagram land and just in general in the fitness industry uh, that, that are interested in competing because they don't like what I'm saying. It's not the fact that I am saying the wrong thing or the right thing. It's the fact that I'm saying it. If it was someone else saying it, like I mentioned before, it wouldn't be a problem. But because I'm saying squats and deadlifts are shit, it's then not accurate. It's then bullshit because it's me saying it. What people need to do is put their ego aside and just give value to the audience and try to educate as many young athletes as possible. And that's what I try to do. I, I sincerely believe in what I'm doing. And if I didn't sincerely believe in what I'm doing, then obviously my athletes would be squatting and deadlifting the little hearts out. And they wouldn't be copying you know, the blueprint that the Olympians have laid out for us because that's what I'm doing. Using the Olympians as a blueprint, making it my own, and then implementing a plan and a structure that works. Competing isn't easy. Wanting to be the best isn't easy. If it was that easy, we'd have a lot of coaches that are killing it in Australia. They're not because they don't understand bikini. It's that simple. And they don't understand programming for bikini. They don't have the eye, the attention to detail for bikini. There are some bikini coaches and bikini posing coaches that I do sincerely respect in Australia, but there aren't many at all. And I do have very much the same opinion on athletes who really push something that isn't the way it should be. Squatting and deadlifting is a waste of time if you want to be an elite bikini competitor. And I know that a lot of listeners, you know, if, there were, if we've got some WBFF listeners, WBFF athletes, I know a lot of you ladies squat and deadlift your little hearts out. And unfortunately, this is with the greatest respect, that shit won't cut it in the IFBB. There's a reason why we have, you know, the IFBB. There's a reason why we have the WBFF. Two different structures that, that are rewarded, you know, on the world stage. You know, would the WBFF top five make it to Olympia? They probably wouldn't because it's judged differently. There's a different criteria. And the criteria for the IFBB is keep your waist as small as possible. So the next question is, is what do your girls have that others don't? 
well, obviously it's me as a coach. And what do I have as a coach versus other coaches that I've spoken to is my attention to detail, my eye for bikini. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, whatever federation, I know what bikini looks like. I know how to program to bring up weak body parts. I know what's required for a complete bikini physique. My attention to detail and the eye that I have is second to none. It's that simple. If it wasn't second to none, then would have another coach like me who's absolutely killing the bikini game in Australia. It's that simple. And that's with the greatest respect. Obviously, I focus on you know, the female categories. I focus on bikini and I'm getting into the wellness game. I have an eye that just studies bikini all the time. So naturally, I'm going to have a better eye than competitors or coaches that don't study it to the same level that I do. If you've got a coach that does every category, you know, he's, he or she isn't going to be an expert on bikini. He or she isn't going to be an expert in men's physique. They're going to spread the workload evenly and they're not going to get really good at one thing. I focus on bikini entirely. So I'm improving my eye. I can see things differently and I'm constantly learning and trying new things and expanding my knowledge. That is something that my girls have to experience over, you know, using another coach. It's not the same thing. So the next question here is another good one. So specifics about what makes your most impressive clients and so mindset, habits, training style, etc. Everyone is different and has their own little thing going on, but the most important thing is setting the goal and getting the fuck after it. You know, what I see consistently with the ladies that perform best on the team, the ladies that look the best are the ones that believe in themselves, the ones that commit to their plan, execute the plan, and they make it their personal responsibility to get the job done. And then I hold them accountable. It's that simple. So I think that these athletes will also communicate very well. They will, everything that they do is at a high level. They'll train hard, they'll do the cardio, they'll pose well, they'll communicate with me, they'll ask questions if they need to, they'll go above and beyond, they'll do the one percenters. That's something that I see consistent with the stronger competitors. The ladies that aren't as strong perhaps, or the ones that maybe are sort of like, you know, half in, half out, then they're the competitors that aren't gonna do so well. You know, I do also have some really young competitors that are coming up that do have the attitude, right? That do have the attitude of a stronger competitor. They just don't have the development because they haven't put the time into the gym yet. But I can see the blueprint is the same. They've got what it takes. It's just a matter of time. It's the same thing. Consistency in effort and time. That's what you need to get the job done. And that's with any federation. It doesn't matter if it's IFB, it doesn't matter if it's WBFF. All right, so this is actually a pretty funny question that I'm just gonna be real honest with as well. So is live better with another coach? With the greatest respect, the answer is no. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Went from before Team Destroy, third place in a Victorian novice, was it even first time competition, right? And then within 12 months, I take it to a national title. The proof's in the pudding. Muscle development, symmetry, posing, everything was upgraded, conditioning. Proof's in the pudding. At the end of the day, people can have their opinion and they can look at things from a different point of view, but results speak a thousand words. If you look at the end result for the first time she competed versus the second time with me, it's clear as crystal, clear as day, what is significantly better. It's not even close. So the next question here is one for me specifically. It says, what keeps you motivated? Do you follow a regime to get through work, training and life? I suppose that I do. I just, I have my goals. This is as simple as I put it. And it's the same thing that I mentioned before when I was sharing my opinion. You set yourself through goals, right? Okay, what, what's next after the goal? Okay, I develop a plan. This is my plan. This is this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to implement it after that. I'm going to take an action, right? You review your performance. So you question yourself. You keep yourself accountable. Can I do better? Where can I improve? It's the same thing, you know, if you're an athlete when you or you're coaching someone. What can you do better? What, can, what adjustments need to be made to be at your best? I look at myself that way and I question myself. I set my goals. I get after them and I... I'm very self-motivated. I don't need someone to push me. I, I like the idea of being pushed by someone, but I don't need it. I'm very, very self-motivated and I'm self-motivated because I believe in my vision. I'm self-motivated because I am very goal-orientated and I remind myself why I'm doing this. You know, my goal has always been to, to start this game, the coaching game, and to be the best in Australia and to have, you know, multiple athletes that, are, that could just walk in in any show and win a pro card. You know, and, and in Australia, that hasn't been done before. Season B is going to be a prime example of the caliber of competitors that I've got coming up. I've got ladies that are amateur competitors that look better than seasoned professional competitors in Australia. And that says a lot. They're amateurs. They haven't even got a pro card yet. 
what's going to happen is that these ladies are eventually going to get a pro card, despite obviously our restrictions and COVID and the travel bullshit that we've got to deal with in Australia. They're going to get a pro card. They're going to be ready to go to the Olympia stage. These ladies are going to be ready to do, they're going to be ready to do battle on a pro stage. They're either going to be collecting points or they're going to be winning trophies and then they're going to Olympia. So I'm going to have multiple ladies going to Olympia. And this, this is what motivates me. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I've been planning for. This is something that I study all the time. I look at posing. I look at physiques. I review footage. I look at absolutely everything. So for me, what motivates me, like just obviously sharing one of my goals with you is taking multiple competitors to the Olympia. It's like that does. It's that simple. So whatever the goal is that I want to achieve, it, it motivates me. I've got some financial goals. I've got some goals, for example, with, with property, with cryptocurrency, with stocks, whatever it might be. I, I have specific targets that I want to achieve and that's what motivates me. I, I like to get things done. There's there's many, many things that are on my list. There's many things that I want to to achieve and I won't get into. And it, it wakes, wakes me up every morning and it gets me going and it keeps me up at night. I just like to do... I like to achieve my goals. I, I love to love to get shit done. All right, so this is a cool question. If you could only choose one book, Relentless or Winning, what would it be? So this is by Tim Grover for anyone that doesn't doesn't know what I'm talking about. It's most certainly going to be Relentless. You know, Relentless was, you know, one of the books that I that I read a long time ago and I started recommending it to my clients and then next thing you know, the whole of <laughs> the bikini fitness industry is, is recommending it to each other. So it, it it's a great book. It's, I mean, it speaks for itself. Winning's obviously a great book as well. I just didn't feel like it hit the same as Relentless because Relentless was really, you know, the the OG, the go-to book. Uh, Winning's still a good book. I would obviously pick them both up. But if if I said, you know, go all in on one book, I would say go all in on Relentless and study that like a motherfucker. So the next question is favorite quotes slash take-homes from Winning. So obviously the book. Look, I, I really won't get into it, but... It's self-explanatory, guys. Like, I, I think what, what resonates with me is something that's going to be different that, than what resonates with you. I think it's important you know, for you to read the book and to highlight what resonates with you. Because I could share something and someone's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then the next person's going to be like, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't really, I didn't really get that vibe. I have a different personality. I've, I'm at a different point in my life. I have different goals than you. So the, there might be a chapter that you really like versus a chapter that I really like. And there's no wrong way, there's no wrong answer. I think it's important for you to read the book and for you to pick apart what suits you at this point in time. And then in six months time, in 12 months time, read the book again, revisit it. And I guarantee you what resonates to you now will not resonate to you in six or 12 months time because you would have grown and developed. Well, let's hope so that you've grown and developed and your, 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 your perception of the book is going to be completely different. And even in two, three years time, and it should be because personal development's a real thing. So I think it's important for everyone to read the book themselves and to pick apart what resonates with them and implement it, take action. Okay, so this question is, would you recommend clients to Steph or Renee depending on what their posing needs are? So this was with all due respect to other posing coaches. Um, so I think, you know, there, I think it's quite obvious what I do with the ladies on the team. I think it's important for you to select a coach that you resonate with. It's about not just the result. So it's like, all right, who's going to give me the best result possible, right? Do your research, look at both posing coaches and look at other posing coaches out there as well. And, and go, all right, is, is Renee going to be my girl? You know, is, is Steph going to be my girl? Is Taylor going to be my girl? You know, look at the posing coaches out there and figure it out. I would not recommend going with shitty posing coaches that don't produce athletes. You need to go with a posing coach that produces the best of the best. It's a waste of time. It's the same thing for using a, a shitty contest prep coach. Does the contest prep coach know bikini? And it, it doesn't have to be me. It's not offensive if you know what if, if one of these one of your listeners out there is using another coach. That's absolutely fine as long as you resonate with that coach, you respect that coach, you implement what they're teaching you. It's all about you having a good relationship, you having good results. It doesn't matter what the fuck I say as long as you're getting good results. But I think going back to the posing side of things, it's so important to commit to a coach that knows what the fuck they're doing because a lot of the time, you're not going to get it. You have to do your research. So I'm not going to say, this is what you need to do and you have to do it. I obviously have that conversation with my girls and my girls work with a number of different posing coaches. I will not accept and will not allow 
my girls to work with posing coaches that aren't approved by me, that aren't up to my standard. And I'm a, I'll always have a very honest conversation with them. But up to, uh, for ladies that aren't on my team, it's up to you to figure out, you know, what level of posing is acceptable for your physique. How do you want to develop? So how do you want to display your physique on stage and show your development? Do you want to be the best possible poser out there? And if the answer is yes, and I'm assuming it is, and if it's in your budget, because posing coaching is an additional fee, work with the best. All right, so please do more interview podcasts with your top girls. I will most certainly. I got another one. Prediction on every state IFB show. Okay. So my prediction for every IFB state show is Team Destroy is going to win every every overall. South Australian overall, Victorian overall, New South Wales, Queensland, WA. That's my prediction. And we're going to also win the pro card. I won't talk about the ladies specifically, we can see if this prediction comes true, but I'm very confident in the ladies that are on the team. I have multiple, multiple competitors that are that are going to be competing at a high level from first-timers to juniors to novice competitors to ladies competing in the open that are seasoned veterans. It's going to be very, very fun to watch. So this is an interesting question. Do you think bikini girls should compete a lot or do a couple of shows and then have a long off-season? So I think it depends on your goal. So it's like, Everything that I've mentioned on this podcast is about your goal. Like it's, it's everything's based on what do you want to achieve. For example, I have some ladies on the team that say, "Troy, I want to be top three in my in, in my first ever competition. I want to win my first competition. You know, in, in the first time category. I want to win novice. I want to win open. I want to win a pro card. You know, I, I want to be top five in the open. I want to be top three in the open at nationals. I want to you know at least a third at nationals. So everyone has different goals. Depending on what those goals are, you need to determine." If that goal is achievable in the time frame, and if it is, you can compete regularly. And if it's not, you need to have an off season. It's that simple. All right. So the next question here is thoughts on vacuums. Yes, do them absolutely. Yes. Uh, if you don't know how to do them properly, and you're looking for someone, I would recommend going to see Taylor Madison, aka Taylor Smith. She does vacuum classes as well as has a pretty pretty good ebook that you can buy. Boom, boom, boom. Go buy it. Um, it will definitely help you with your vacuuming. And then if you you want a one-on-one session, if you want to attend a, a group session, you can hit her up for that. There are also other bikini athletes that offer a similar service, but that's uh, Taylor's the first person that comes to mind. So the next question here is, what made you want to become a coach slash expert for bikini athletes? I believe, I, I've mentioned this a few times, but it was this, look, there was a number of different factors. There was like a few things happened at once and I was like, boom. I really started enjoying the bikini category. That was the first thing I never really liked to begin with. I've mentioned this a few times. And when you fall in love with something and you really enjoy it, it's like you want to be good at it. And for me, I'm a very competitive person. If I'm going to go all in, and once I decided that I wanted to to go all in, I was like, I need to be the best. I need to be very competitive. I want to have the best athletes. I want to have multiple athletes that can just enter a show and dominate, like I mentioned before. And I'm motivated by that. So, And I challenge myself to also produce athletes that... Nobody knows, that's never seen before, that a first-time competitor can come from nowhere and just, boom, be amazing. But I also enjoy you know, working with seasoned veterans that would come across to the team that I can help tweak a few things and, and dial them in correctly. So I do like working with a, a variety of competitors. So this is cool. Explain in detail, <laughs> explain in detail what the judges are looking for, balance, symmetry, muscle proportion. So are we talking about the Australian judges or are we talking about what the overseas judges are looking for? And I'm going to say this with an asterisk, guys, with the greatest respect, okay? Well, I, I try to be as respectful as I can to share my opinion and not to put anyone down because not everyone, um, I would say, would be in this category, but I do think that the American judging is significantly better than Australian judging and that standard is quite obvious in the consistency of what happens overseas at the MPC, at, at, at state shows, um, at national level MPC shows, the judging there is quite good. And it's something that is consistent all the way through to Olympia. Conditioning is very, very important. The symmetry of the bikini physique is very, very important. I think that in Australia, the conditioning side of things isn't as strong, isn't as needed for whatever reason. It's not as respected as it is overseas. That's probably the word that I'm looking for. I, I do think it's important for judges to respect the amount of conditioning that the top Olympians have, and we need to be judging off that. When you know, I've obviously touched on this a few times. When you see 
the results from an amateur competition in Australia or professional level competition, if it's not consistent with what's overseas, then what are we doing? I mean, that is probably one of one of the many reasons why we don't have, you know, Olympians, bikini Olympians going overseas to represent Australia. Obviously, this year we do in Melissa Carpenter, but that's because we had an all Australian pro show. If we had internationals coming over to, to compete against us with international judging, it may have been different. It, it might have been different. And in the past it has been, but obviously we've had the Arnold Sports Festival with um, many years, uh, I believe it was four years, it was a four or five years, probably five years in a row, bikini competitors were coming down and you know the level of competition, the caliber of competition was just blew, blew the Australians out of the water. And that's something that starts with judging. And obviously you can look at coaches, you can look at, the level of education, training, nutrition, a lot of different things. But if we're reward, if we're, if we're not rewarding the, the top level conditioning athletes, like they are at the Olympia stage, then the, I would say the, the expectations of an athlete, the suffering, the mindset, the dedication that's needed to get into that conditioning, you know, you, you, you don't have to be as all in is what I'm saying. You can be half in you know, with respect compared to doing an NPC national show where they need to be peeled to the bone to be in the top call out, right? And peeled to the bone, meaning peeled to the bone for the bikini cap, uh, the bikini criteria. So there's bikini shredded and there's bikini fat. And a lot of the time in Australia, we're rewarding physiques that aren't bikini shredded. I, won't, I wouldn't go as far as to say the bikini fat, but I'm saying we're not rewarding ladies that aren't shredded. And that is the problem. In terms of you know balance symmetry proportions, it's something that's that it, it takes some time to understand what the Americans are really looking for at the Olympia stage because of you know I've watched a lot and I watch a lot of YouTube. I look at photos quite regularly. I pay attention to the sport. It was kind of like bodybuilding when I first got into bodybuilding. I was like, I have no idea what they're judging, right? The more often that you see something and, and you understand the decisions and the subjectiveness of it you can put things into your own head and analyze things and go, okay, this is what they're looking for. Okay, this person's got a little bit more glute. This person's got a little bit more quad. The shoulder-to-waist ratio is here. The posing's on point. It's all these final, finer details that I would say, you know, the, the, I look at the Olympians and go, this is the standard, right? But I still look at the top 10 Olympians and I can't say that, wow, every one of them is just a knockout because they're not. I, I see room for improvement and that is what inspires me as a coach because I want to and I will take bikini, we'll take Australian bikini Olympians into the top 10. It's going to happen eventually. It's not going to happen this year. It might not happen next year, but it's going to happen. All right. So the next question is from your experience with clients, some big do's and don'ts went on stage. You know what? I, I'm going to keep that on the DL because I, I, I feel like I do share a lot of key information to people. And it's like, you know what? If you ain't on my team, Cool. Bye. I'm, I'm not going to give the competitive advantage or give off the give away the competitive advantage to ladies that are that are going to be competing against ladies that are on the team. Not going to happen. And you know, every season, you know, I improve as a coach. And like I mentioned before, season B is going to be next level. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing the team display next level physiques that even the American judges would appreciate. So this is a cool question. I like this. So how can someone improve their body image? I'm in decent shape coming out of a bulk. So I like to look at things very optimistically and say, you know, be kind to First of all, be kind to yourself. There's no negative self-talk. Never call yourself a fat piece of shit. Never say, um, oh, I, I look bad today because I've, I've got, I'm gaining fat. I've got shit legs. I've got shit shoulders or whatever it might be. Don't say you got shit shoulders. Say I'm going to work on my shoulders. I want to build my shoulders right? The next six months, I'm going to blast my shoulders. I'm going to blow them the fuck up. That's how we talk to ourselves. We talk in a way of making improvements. We don't put ourselves down. So I think it's important to, you know, if you do have some things that you want to work on, talk about it like you're going to work on it. I'm going to, I'm going to improve my midsection. I'm going to improve my glutes, not my glutes are shit. My glutes are flat. I look at everyone on social media. Their glutes are so awesome. Why does so-and-so have big glutes and I don't? Why do why do I have loose skin on my ass and this person doesn't? You know, it could be, this could be so many different things that you'd say to yourself. Stop comparing yourself. Do not negative self-talk. Do not use anything negative at all. You can be realistic. You can be honest with yourself, but don't beat yourself up about things that, that aren't really going to benefit you in the long run. 
Talk about improvements. Like I said, I'm going to build my glutes. I'm going to build my shoulders. You know, I'm in six months time, in 12 months time, you visualize it, believe in the vision, implement, 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 take action. You're good to go. So this is another question regarding the judging. Looking at past amateur shows, this is obviously Australian, the IFBB, not WBFF. So what do you think is being rewarded the most? I, I sincerely believe that the judges are looking for the best combination of everything. They're looking for size. They're looking for symmetry, proportion. I do think that they skipped the posing part this last season. I think a lot of the competitors posed terribly. I, I, I think that the judges need to go back to rewarding poses uh, to ladies sorry, that pose really well. And stage presence is so very important bikini. If it's not important in any other category, it is the number one category that it should be important for. Presentation is so important. Your hair, your makeup, the works. I think posing is a part of that. If someone's got a shit bikini on, right? And they've got a shit tan on or their makeup sucks and the hair's all fucked up. We're going to go, hey, listen, look at that bitch. Her hair's all fucked up, right? Why aren't we doing that with posing? The judges aren't looking at the same thing. I, I can guarantee you, if someone had really, really bad hair, they would be marked down for having really bad hair in Australia. But for whatever reason, for season A, they completely just forgot about posing. I, I was very disappointed in that because obviously I take pride in the ladies on the team having the best posing in the country. It needs to be judged. You know, everything needs to be judged. And I think everything needs to be looked at fairly. And for me, posing was not looked at recently. I think that, as I mentioned, touch on conditioning wasn't wasn't really looked at properly in comparison to what I see in the States. And that is based on what I my personal beliefs as well. There's a few decisions I would change personally that I've seen, um, whether on my team or whether not on my team. But it also depends on what judges are available. And every judge has their own opinion. Every judge or every person has their own you know, sort of physique that they really like and appreciate, whether it's in a bikini physique or a figure physique or a type of bodybuilding physique. Some people like size, some people like aesthetics. But bikini for me is very black and white. And I know it's not for some, but we need to be following the Americans. So this is another cool question. With two pro cards each year in Australia and no traveling at the moment, where do you see bikini headed? Well, I think the bikini division is stacked as shit. Season B is lit. I, I, I keep saying that. Season B for bikini is so damn stacked. There are so many pro-worthy physiques. Like, if, if you look at what they're rewarding in the States in terms of size, conditioning, proportion, there are a lot of ladies that could, if we were allowed, right? If we were allowed right now um, to, to fly over with no quarantine, because we're obviously going to do the two-week quarantine bullshit, if that were, if that did if COVID didn't exist and we're allowed to do that, we'll probably have at least ten competitors, ten Australian competitors that would easily fly overseas and win their pro card immediately. Like more probably more than ten actually, when I come to think of it. But at least ten. And that would be fair to say. Now, because that's obviously not a possibility, that just means the caliber of pros that we're gonna be producing is gonna be very, very high. It just means that when a lady does eventually win her pro card, when she does do her pro debut, she's going to compete at a very high level, probably going to land in the top five at a pro show because she had to really grind to get her pro card. So that's the upside. The downside is, is that we're not going to have a lot of Australians representing, um, you know, there's not going to be a lot of Australian pros representing us on the world stage. And I do believe that we have a very strong, you know, a strong list of amateur bikini competitors that can do really well on a pro stage once they get their pro card. It's just a matter of having that opportunity. And I think, Hopefully, look, it's hard to see. Like, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going on with the world right now. And we don't know what's going on with the Australian government. We've got very, very tight restrictions with with flights um, for, for any internationals that are listening. It's like, we've got to do this two-week quarantine bullshit. And we've got to pay three grand to quarantine. So it's like, you know, Melissa Carver needs to go to, she's going to compete at the Olympia, right? And then needs to come back and quarantine for two weeks with or without a vaccination. It's ridiculous. So the next question is, as a coach, would you recommend a client not getting on stage if you didn't feel they were ready? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've had this discussion and it's also about, like I said, it's about goal setting, right? Everything's about goal setting. It's like, what does the client want? I've had ladies that say to me, Troy, I want to win my first contest, right? And I say, look, we don't have the size to, to do that right now. I, I think we need more size. I like your frame. I like your structure. I think you've got the potential, but we do need more size. And that's me being honest and, real, and realistic with the goal and making sure that I'm setting these ladies up for success. For example, going back to the shell rule, you know, she didn't compete season A this year. That's a whole 12 months, not competing season B this year. 
What does she want? The goal was a pro card. And I said, Shell, we need more size. Let's put you in the best possible position to succeed. This is Shell fucking skeleton, guys, right? So when I have, you know, first time competitors come to me that are disappointed in me telling them, hey, listen, I think you need to have an off season. It's like, motherfucker, look what Shell just did. Shell placed second to Alexandra. Everyone thinks Alexandra is amazing. Alexandra is fucking amazing, right? Alexandra is absolutely amazing. Shell placed second to Alex and just missed out on a pro card by, I believe it was one point. It was either one or two points. I can't recall exactly, but it was one or two points. Very close decision. And this was back then. And I'm telling this woman to have a very long extended off season to put on the size required. Now, why did I do that? Because everyone's like, what the fuck, Troy? Alex is amazing. One or two points. Are you kidding me? Why did I do that? That's because the Australian judging recognizes size over conditioning, over proportion, over flow. And size also means body fat. If this was judged in the States, I'm being very honest, being very honest with the greatest respect, Shell would have a pro card immediately if she competed at the next competition because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a Shell-like physique. In Australia, however, we've got to do it the long way. I've got to have an extended off season with her. I've got to put the size on in the right areas for her to be in a position to win a pro card. If this is judged overseas, she'd have a fucking pro card. And there's many other examples of ladies that I can say they would have a pro card if this was judged overseas by American judges. And that's a very interesting thing to say. So going back to the question, yes, I always say, do not compete if you don't have the size and if the goal is to win. I will always be honest with my girls because I want to see these girls do well. All right, so the next question is, is who's winning the Tampa and Chicago Pro Show? So look, I think uh, I was discussing this with Taya. This is Taya's question as well. So it's Taya Pick Events. Freak of, freak of Bikini Freaks is someone that is definitely going to be a very successful pro in the very near future once she does win her and earn her pro card. I actually need to look at the full list, but I was discussing this with Taya earlier, and I believe it is Maureen versus Laura Lee. And the other showdown is Jen Dory versus Issa Pacini. So for me, I love Maureen's physique. Like love, 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 love. Big, big underdog. Huge fan of her physique. And I'm a big... Guys, you, you already know. I'm Team Laura Lee all the way. Love Laura Lee's physique. As much as I love Maureen, as, love, as, as much as I love her improvements that she's made, she's probably my second favorite, you know, short of Laura Lee. I'm going to go with Laura Lee for the win. I, I'm thinking Laura Lee's going to take it out. And then Maureen will be a close second. And Maureen's going to surprise people when she does go to the Olympia. Definitely going to be in the top 10. I'm not too sure how much she's going to push it. Can she push it in the top five? I'm just going to see how she looks with the added size that she's put on. But Laura Lee for me for the win. And for the other show, I'm going to say that Issa Pacini is definitely... You know how, guys, I was talking about Issa last year saying how big she was for the Olympia and everyone thought I was crazy. Well, at least... You Australians thought I was crazy. There's a few Americans that did agree with me. And then obviously it came to fruition that she was way too big for the category. I cop so much shit. This is another thing, right? It's like, because Troy's saying it, because I'm saying it and going, hey, this is too big. If it was another coach that was saying it, you probably would have agreed with the other coach. But because it's me, I'm Mr. Know-it-all apparently. And I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Because I'm Mr. Know-it-all, you, you disagree. It's like, guys, I know what I'm looking at. I can see things. And I want to give Issa a compliment to say that she's downsized her physique significantly. She looks way, 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 way better. I'm actually scared. I, I think she could potentially win. I'm, I do need to see what she's going to look like for me to commit to that decision. But I know that it's very possible. But I'm going to say that... <sighs> All right, if I had to lock one in, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to say Issa's going to win. I think that obviously Jen Dory's last package was quite good. I'm just going to say Issa because I believe that they've learned they've, they've learned their lesson and I, I think she's probably done what she needed to do to get in shape and to to downsize her physique. So I'm going to take a punt and say we're going with Laura Lee, 100% locked in and Issa's my punt. I'm saying Issa's going to beat Jen Dory. All right, guys. So next question here, I'm going to answer this and I'm going to stop talking shit. Does age affect weight loss over 40 and also weight gain? All right, so I'm going to answer this in a very general way because not every situation is the same and we shouldn't treat every one's physique the same because there are examples of people out there that have got a raging metabolism in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s. But I will say this, you know, there's so many, look, there's so many factors, muscle mass, you know, body composition, 
you know, how long you've been in a calorie surplus, if you've been working on your metabolism or not. There's so many factors that contribute to, you know, people having the perception of a fast or slow metabolism. But look, your metabolism will be quicker in, a, in your 20s versus your 40s and weight gain. I would say if you're dieting properly, you're not going to have an issue with, with weight gain. If you're eating in a controlled fashion, if you're eating like a slob, you're going to look like a slob. Let's leave it like that. All right. So this is an interesting question. Do you see anyone beating your girls over the next couple of years? This is a very good question. And in, we're talking about amateurs. I believe I'm, I'm not talking about pros here. We're talking about amateur competitors. I think that season B is a lock. I think season A is a lock for a pro card for, for ladies on the team. And I'm pretty confident season B 2022 will be, I can't say it's a lock yet, but I'm pretty confident it's, it's, I'd say the next three pro cards are, are going to be ladies on the team. It's going to be very challenging for someone that's not on the team to win because of the tension to de- detail that I have and the passion that I have for the sport. Yeah. It's like, what is it? What time is it now? For example, it is 1246 AM It is Thursday morning and I'm doing a fucking podcast on bikini. You know, what other coaches are going to be doing this shit on a Wednesday night slash Thursday morning talking about fucking bikini. It just doesn't happen. So I don't think it's possible um, over the next couple of seasons, but there are a few competitors that are on my radar that I give massive respect to. And I won't say who they are because I'm blowing my girl's stocks up. I'm not giving anyone else confidence. I know who is dangerous and I know who can do really well in their future, but season B is a lock. Season A is a lock, guys. It's that simple. All right, we'll just do this last question here. So what are my thoughts on birth control and bodybuilding? So look, every situation is different. I think that you need to look at your situation as individual. Everything's a case by case basis. You know, why are you in birth control? Like, what is the purpose? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Do you have heavy periods? Do you, you know, have an issue that I don't know about? I can't give advice on this shit. You know, is it it gonna affect your prep? Is being on the pill gonna affect your body composition? Absolutely it will. You know, I, I see that from, from ladies will hold more body fat in, in their legs and their glute hamstrings. If they're on the pill, it's a little bit more challenging. It doesn't mean it's, it's not, it's not impossible. I have ladies that have been pilled to the bone that have been on the pill. It's, it's, I truly believe that there, there's certain limiting beliefs and there's certain things that are going to, it's like, for example, can you be on the pill? And, 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 and win a national title. Absolutely, you can. Can you win a national title deadlifting and squatting? Possibly, yeah. But is it the best thing for you? The answer is no. There is better ways to do things. And obviously, if you can improve something 5%, if you can improve something 10%, 20%, whatever it is, I'm going to take it. I'm a competitive motherfucking person. If there's something that's going to be benefiting myself or my athletes, of course, I'm going to encourage it. The pill is something that needs to be discussed with your GP, needs to be discussed with your coach, and you need to figure out why you're on it. If it's just literally for contraceptive purposes and you don't have a partner and you're not sexually active, then get the fuck off the pill. Smart thing to do while in prep. I would highly recommend it. Anyway, anyhow, that will take us to this the end of an episode. Thank you for listening, guys. Any questions about this podcast? You want me to talk some more shit? I will pump some more episodes out. I will do it more frequently. I might do, I may not do once a week. I might do one a fortnight. I know that you guys have been waiting so long and give me some feedback. If you, if you hate some of the shit that I say, give me some negative comments. Give me something constructive. Give me some positive, give me some love, whatever. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you for listening, guys. Peace.